stare of the champion against the challenger. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. This is In The Fight.net's In The Fight show on Sportinarium Radio, talking MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. Follow the show on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at ITF Show. And now from Philadelphia, Doc, Brett, In The Fight. going on fight fans it is i brett halpern uh venturing forth alone again unfortunately the captain of the ship mike lipinski uh a little under the weather don't worry nothing serious but uh obviously we don't want to miss out on the opportunity to bring you the latest and greatest in the world of combat sports um with that said this is section 247 sports presents in the fight uh, also brought to you by Sportswire Radio at sportinarium.com uh, slash player, I believe. But check out Sportswire Radio. We uh, are very thrilled to be partnered with them. Also a Sports Talk Philly partner. Um, news alert, we are back to at ITF show on all social media. So be, uh, be sure to check us out on all platforms uh, for that, as well as our website www.inthefight.net and again we have merch we have very cool merch it is both cool and comfortable there will be more merch on the way in the meantime check out our current merch it is at tkostore.com that's t-e-e-k-o-store.com uh it's either on the front page or click on the other shirts uh and quote-unquote tab uh and that'll get you to our our podcast page tab page for all the different merch and whatnot. Uh, as always, we were brought to you by Michael's Glass Company, the premier glass company for the Delaware Valley, the Delaware Valley area. 215-338-3293. Tell them that Mike and Brett sent you. Also, if you're in the Delaware Valley area and you're hungry and you'd like to have a very nice evening, perhaps with a date, perhaps it's a very important business meeting. Check out DePaul's Table, 77 East Lancaster Avenue, Ardmore, PA, DePaul'sTable.com. It is a modern Italian steakhouse, a fantastic establishment. Uh, if you see Anthony, the owner, again, tell them Mike and Brett sent, uh, sent you there and enjoy the food. Also, before we begin, want to give a special uh, Lashana Tova to all of our Jewish listeners. Uh, wish you a a happy and healthy new year as Rosh Hashanah uh, is still going on. So what do we have on store today? We It's a little bit going to be a little bit of a shorter show in that there was really only one event that took place um, over the weekend, which was UFC Vegas 36. We're going to be going over Dana White's Contender Series Season 5 Week 2. Also some news and notes around the MMA and combat sports world. So they're... You know, a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's still going to be entertaining. Heck, I'm here, so you're going to be entertained and you're going to be informed, but you know, going to be a little bit shorter next week. Uh, there will be an event to preview. There is no upcoming UFC, actually, there's no upcoming UFC, Bellator, or PFL event, so there's nothing to preview. However, next week, there will be an event to preview. Also, um, I don't know if it's going to be myself or it's going to be myself and Mike or if it's going to be myself and the hired gun. 
we're going to do a little state of the UFC sort of run down division by division, sort of assess, okay, who's the champ? Who's is the, who is his or her next challenger? Who's probably the most likely to take the belt next? Things of that nature. It's always a good time to reset in the fall. You know, everyone's kids, school starting. <coughs> Excuse me. It's just a, you know, nice little break here. So uh, obviously wanted to bring you something entertaining. But as always, we had an event, so there's got to be a three up and a three down. And this one actually has an interesting twist to it. But so we had UFC Vegas 36 on Saturday. In America, it was in uh, it was during the afternoon. For our UK and European fans, it was during the evening. I'm sure they appreciated that as opposed to having to watch it at God knows what hour. Uh, you guys and gals typically watch it. Obviously, there was a very heavy... Um, UK spin to it based upon uh, fighters in the main event, main card, and even the uh, undercard, but we will get to that. So first first person up in the three up, it has to be Derek Brunson, who in the main event defeated Darren Till via submission, uh, rear naked choke, two minutes and 13 seconds into round three. This brings his winning streak to five straight wins in the middleweight division and brings him on the precipice of a title shot against current champion Israel Adesanya. You know, I was, I, I'll be honest, I picked Darren Till. Darren Till definitely had his moments on the feet, but I was really, I thought that Derek Brunson would have the ability to take Darren Till down. I did not think that his, either his skill set or his physicality, particularly at the age of 38, would be such that he'd be able to inflict the kind of ground-to-pound damage on Darren Till that he did. But credit to Derek Brunson, he's done that. And as we've seen during this five-fight win streak, he has completely revamped uh, his career. He has retooled as part of uh, training at Sanford MMA. He you know, no longer goes forth in this reckless abandonment kind of way. He is smart. He's fighting calculated. His fight IQ has gone through the roof and we've seen it pay huge dividends now. And he's taking out contender after contender and putting together this tremendous win streak. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more into Derek Brunson in a minute. Perhaps I'm foreshadowing. Perhaps I'm not. You're going to have to wait and see in a few minutes uh, as to what's next. But you got to give credit to Derek Brunson. This was a very very impressive performance. And again, I just, I, I did not see that coming. I, I thought that he might be able to get Darren Till down. Obviously, Darren Till's not a great wrestler. Wasn't great at 170. You know, in 185, same thing, you, you would think. But I did, again, did not see Derek Brunson being able uh, to inflict the kind of damage that he did. And, you know, look, again, Darren Till had his moments on the feet, definitely hurt Derek Brunson. But Brunson was able to keep his wits about him, stick to the game plan, and look, he stopped Darren Till in, you know, three rounds. Not many people in the UFC can say that they've ever stopped Darren Till. So, to his credit, you know, very impressive performance. That's why I have to go number one. Number two, Liverpool zone for all you Scousers out there, Patty the Batty Pimblet has arrived in the UFC, and... Man, I have never seen the UFC Apex so loud for a fight, even prior to the pandemic when they were filling up the Apex with several hundred people. The, the, the fans that were there 
for Patty Pimblett were obviously diehard fans. It was a very cool moment. It was an intense fight. It, you know, it wasn't without uh, moments. So obviously, let's let's start from the top. Patty, Patty the Batty Pimblet, former Cage Warrior champion, making his UFC debut, defeated Luigi Vendramini via KO, uh, four minutes, 25 seconds into round one. This was Patty Pimblet's uh, promotional debut. This was the opening card, opening fight, excuse me, on the main card. And wow, just complete. There was just such energy, even the way he entering to his, I believe he calls it the Scouse Hall music. Now, look, he, he did sustain, uh, he took one really hellacious left hook uh, from Vendramini, but was able to maintain his wits about him, got into a slugfest, and ultimately just knocked out Vendramini. Showed good stand-up. I wouldn't call it great Um Bisping and Cormier definitely pointed out uh, that Patty Pimlet definitely needs to work on some of his defensive skills with respect with respect to striking. When he is in a defensive mode, he typically keeps his head straight up and goes straight back, which against a better fighter, either stronger or more adept in terms of skill he's going to pay dearly for that but again he's still only 26 years old so his skill level he's nowhere near a finished product but he has the it factor it's not conor mcgregor it factor but it is he definitely has it it's more of a bad boy he doesn't seem to be a kind of guy that has he doesn't come off talking about money i mean look you know right away after conor mcgregor's first fight in the ufc when he defeated marcus brimage what was the first thing he did remember hey dana 60 g's baby you know that wasn't patty Pimmett, but it, there's still that same kind of energy whether you love him or hate him I, I i think he's fantastic but i think he's definitely bringing an energy and bringing a personality to the UFC that's very much needed. And as we could all uh, agree, particularly with Darren Till losing, with Michael Bisping having been retired, I think he could very, he probably is now, but very soon will be the complete face of UK MMA. Uh, so very excited to see him. You know, I know he called for a fight, uh, a fight card to be in the UK. I don't know what the UFC stance is on that. I think, um, I, you know, obviously it's probably a little too late, but imagine putting him on that main card of UFC 268 at the Garden against a strategically, uh, against the, the right opponent, against someone who he could still showcase his skills. Man, that would be huge. Uh, but I definitely see, to me, I would put him on the main card of a pay-per-view next. That's what he needs to be. Again, I, I'm not saying he's ready for the top 10 in the lightweight division, particularly of all those divisions, the lightweight division is incredibly competitive. But again, bring him along slowly, but start increasing his visibility. This guy has it. He's a money. He's going to be a money-making machine for the UFC. Number three up is actually Patty Pimblett's uh, teammate, Molly McCann, the meatball, who really was facing perhaps... Um, losing her roster spot had she lost, but instead defeated Ji Young Kim, 
uh, via unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three scorecards. And in the process, also one fight of the night bonus. So, you know, that's really important money to these fighters. We've talked about fighter pay issues in the past. I wish that all these fighters would be making more money, but at least she was able to make an extra 50K. Looks like she can be able to keep a roster spot. Very entertaining fight. Molly is a, a head-first, aggressive kind of fighter. Uh, I hope that this is the kind of situation, performance, uh, that sort of it serves as a um, spring or spring box, uh, whatever, whatever the term is, in terms of, you know, sort of pushing her forward in her career. And maybe she can now string together a few wins. But for, you know, at least for uh, last this past Saturday, Molly McCann, three up. So, again, the three up were Derek Brunson. Patty Pimblett, Molly McCann. For every up, there unfortunately has to be a down. Um, and while there were two scousers that uh, reign supreme, unfortunately, Derek Till is not one of them, and he is the first one trending down. As I mentioned, lost to Derek Brunson in the second, excuse me, the third round via submission, and is now, I believe, one in three in his last uh, four fights. He is, oh, he is one and two as a middleweight and at least for the time being cannot really be taken seriously as a legitimate title threat in the middleweight division. It's clear he needs to work on his wrestling. Um, I know a lot of people reached out to him after the fight. Uh, you know, obviously he has the connection to Brazil. Charles Oliveira reached out to him. Hamza Chemaev reached out to him. Uh, but it's clear that this is a component to his game that he does not yet have or is not yet mastered in any shape or form. So, you know, I think it's going to be a while before uh, Darren Till is a legitimate title contender in the middleweight division. I'm not saying his career is over, but again, this is a huge derailment in the Darren Till hype train. Um, so it's a shame, entertaining guy. Love watching him on the feet, but. Look, this is mixed martial arts. You can't uh, stop a takedown if you can't defend yourself and, uh, you know, stop a guy from completely beating on you that way. I think, again, that was, to me, the most surprising part of that fight. Yeah, I thought he was going to get taken down, but the way he was literally just getting manhandled on the ground, that was that was shocking, and that was definitely eye-opening in terms of what he's missing out on uh, in terms of his game. So, Darren Chill is the first one trending down. Number two has to be, to me, Modestus Bukowskis, who uh, lost to Khalil Roundtree two minutes, 30 seconds into round two. He lost via oblique kick. For those that may not know exactly what that is, um, it's in, when you, the fighter uses their front foot and essentially kicks down to right above the opponent's lead legs their lead legs knee. Um, I think the first fighter in the UFC who really made that popular was uh, John Jones. McLeo Roundtree did it, and the timing was such that when he did it, it completely tore everything in Modestus Bukowskis' knee. I didn't mean to laugh there. It was sort of just one of those, like, this just sucks kind of laughs. Uh, I felt really badly for him. This was a fight that Bukowskis needed to keep on the roster. So not only did he lose, he literally tore everything in his name. Uh, so that's just a tough way to go out. And finally, in terms of three down, I'm actually going to go, you may have heard this name. 
I'm going Derek Brunson. So not only is he number one up, he's number three down. And the reason is because if you listen to all the talk after this fight, it was all about Darren Till's deficiencies. It was all about, you know, even though Derek Brunson probably deserves the next title fight, I think you could make the argument he's third in line. Why? Because we know Israel Adesanya is going to take on Robert Whitaker in the rematch next. Problem is, Robert Whitaker was hurt, so they weren't able to do that rematch this fall. So the fight has been delayed until first quarter 2022. A few weeks ago, we had Jared Cannonier successfully defeating Kelvin Gastelum. And while I would tell you that Derek Brunson was more impressive in this victory over Darren Till, Derek Brunson has already fought Israel Adesanya. Now, this was the old version of Derek Brunson, right? But he got completely destroyed by Israel Adesanya. So to me, he can either sit on the sideline and wait, or more likely he's going to have to face Jared Cannonier, which is going to be a very difficult fight. And on top of that, again, if you, you know, kind of read the mainstream MMA media, the, the you know, the storylines have been more about Darren Till's deficiencies more so than Derek Brunson's uh, triumph. So to me, I think that just shows Derek Brunson is not doing a good job. Whether through perhaps through no fault of his own, perhaps the way he handles pre and post fight pressers, management in, tied in there, you know, just capturing the imagination, capturing the attention of the audience, of the media. Uh, again, this may not even necessarily be his fault. Um, you know, <clears throat> He's not necessarily as exciting as a fighter now, but you have to take him seriously. He just destroyed Darren Till, and he's won five straight in the division. But now because of this bottleneck at the top of the division, he's kind of shit out of luck, if you ask me. So that's why he, unfortunately, while he's first up, he's also three down. So there you have it again. Just a recap, three up, Derek Brunson, Patty Pimlet, Molly McCann. Three down, Darren Till, Modestus Bukowskis, and Derek Brunson. So actually, um, we just recently had Dana White's Contender Series Season 5, Week 2. This, uh, Whereas last week there were four fights where Dana White gave out five contracts. This week, at, or excuse me, this week there were five fights. And once again, Dana White handed out five contracts. Each of the winners got a contract. So it was uh, Walter Wade, Josh Kinlan. He defeated Logan Urban via KO, 47 seconds in the round one. Super impressive. At middleweight, Chidi Njikwani, the younger brother of former UFC, I believe he was a welterweight, Anthony Njikwani, Anthony uh, defeated Mario Souza via TKO, 135 in a round three. Bantamweight, Simon Oliveira defeated Jose Alde via split decision. Flyweight CJ Vergara, who I was super impressed with, uh, defeated Bruno Correa via TKO, 41 seconds into round one. Really think he's going to be someone who quickly ascends the ranks in the flyweight division. And at bantamweight, you had Chad uh, Anheliger defeat Muin Gafurov via split decision. I didn't necessarily think Oliveira and Anheliger deserved to deserved contracts. Um, but they're in the bantamweight division, which is, I think, on the bottom end of that division is a little light. They could use some more depth. 
So I think they benefited from that. But Josh Kinlan, Chidi Njokwani, and CJ Vergara, really three solid additions uh, to the UFC. And I completely forgot. I, I actually I want to apologize if if she happens to be listening. Um, I meant to mention this last week, and I and I neglected to do so. Once again, uh, on the call, the last week actually she made history. It was the first time ever in the Zufa era that a woman did um, was on the call and was an analyst, and that was Laura Sanko. And once again, she did that this week. This time with Daniel Cormier. Last week was with Paul Felder. Not only did she do um, was she an analyst, she also did the ring announcing and the post-fight interviews. I must say, she was an absolute breath of fresh air. She was fantastic both weeks. She got along tremendously well with Paul Felder and with Daniel Cormier. Obviously, they know her very well, have a good relationship with her. But she was tremendous, and I think this shows that um, there are females out there that can definitely do a more than just a uh, sufficient job, but a very good job uh, in that role. And I think that the UFC should quickly elevate her to a pay-per-view uh, at minimum, a fight night. It, she did. It, she was fantastic. Um, incredibly knowledgeable, natural, easygoing. Uh, you know, she was funny. She was, um, you know, during the Chidi Njokwani fight, uh, Njokwani actually sustained two separate cup shots. And like she was talking, you know, uh, with Cormier about nut shots. And she's like, well, obviously, I don't know if it hurts, but is comfortable enough to discuss those kind of things, but also kept it light, kept it comical. Doesn't think so. Credit to her, just did a fantastic job. Um, and I think that there are other women in the MMA universe who could do this as well. I think Misha Tate is one of them. Uh, I know that she's done that in the past. Um, Julie Kenzie does this uh, for Invicta. I think Angie Hill could do this. I think there's a lot of other women you. You, you might even be surprised um, who I think would be fantastic. But, you know, congrats to Laura Sanko. She was, again, absolutely tremendous. Two for two, you know, not even, you know, to use baseball terms. This wasn't like hitting a single. This was knocking it out of the park. Two for two. Fantastic job. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing her on fight night calls as well as pay-per-view calls. So, uh, in order to close out the show, want to talk some news and notes around the um, combat sports world. I guess, you know, coming up, the one thing we do have this weekend uh, will be the uh, Triller Fight Club uh, fight, which initially was supposed to be Vitor Belfort versus Oscar De La Hoya. And uh, Oscar De La Hoya, unfortunately, came down with COVID. We hope that he is okay. Um, but he, he was apparently in the hospital and, um, you know, what, we don't necessarily know his status now. I mean, obviously I think he's going to be okay, but nevertheless, you know, obviously that, that is a scary situation. Uh, so Evander Holyfield at age 58 stepped up to take on V is stepping up to take on Vitor Belfort. The fight was initially supposed to be in California. And the, to their credit, the California State Athletic Commission refused to license Evander Holyfield. So in order to sidestep that denial of a license, they've moved the event, the event to the Hard Rock Seminole 
uh, in uh, Florida. And now Holyfield will be licensed to take on Vitor Belfort. Obviously, the co-main event is Anderson Silva and Tito Ortiz in a boxing match. And uh, as of Tuesday evening, apparently, um, the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, and his son, Donald Trump Jr., will be providing uh, commentary or some form of alternative commentary to the fight, which just makes this even more batshit crazy. Um, I don't like this. I mean, I, I've voiced my misgivings about the Paul brothers and things of that nature. Now we're getting a Vander Holyfield at an entirely way too advanced of an age, having sustained a lot of damage against a TRT version of Vitor Belfort. And while this is boxing, I don't want to see Evander Holyfield take any unnecessary shots. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get political here, um, but bringing in Trump, obviously that's going to bring in a certain audience. I just think, you know, I, I don't know if he, I, I highly doubt he, he and his son are going to stick to simply discussing the action, and I think they'll take it upon themselves to discuss various political events and things of that nature, which just don't need to be part of this kind of event. Obviously, they're going to be supporting Tito Ortiz. Tito Ortiz, uh, obviously a big QAnon guy and also, you know, was on Donald Trump's Apprentice uh, show back in the day. I hope that they don't spread any misinformation regarding COVID, regarding vaccines, and I'm fearful that they will. Um, this is just a complete shit show. The Jake Paul Ben Askren uh, production was a shit show, and this is going to be even worse. So, frankly, I probably shouldn't even talk about it anymore. As for real combat sports, um, one my my favorite uh, female MMA fighter of all time, Misha Tate, uh, is actually uh, the UFC has scheduled her next fight. She's going to be headlining the October sixteenth fight night card and she's being matched up with ketlin vieira i think this is definitely a difficult matchup uh but one that she could win because i think ketlin vieira's stand-up is not particularly dangerous and i think misha tates has evolved and she might be able to hurt her on the feet in terms of grappling this is gonna be a very difficult contest misha has also said she did not want to shortchange the division by taking the holly home rematch frankly I think it would be it would behoove the UFC to, uh, to me. Misha Tate is a very uh, pr- profitable, very marketable commodity, and I think it would be a very good storyline to see her ascend through the division and once again fight take on Amanda Nunes. Uh, if she were to fight Holly Holm, I believe she would lose. I think. Look, she bear, it, it. She had to have a a hail mary come from behind win at the peak of her career to defeat Holly Holm to win the bantamweight championship. And I believe since then, Holly Holm, though getting older, I believe has a far better grappler than she once was. So I don't think I think it's a bad matchup for Misha Tate, and therefore I would not uh, want to have that in terms of booking. To me, if Misha is able to get past Ketlin Vieira. I'd probably match her up with someone like an Aspen lad. Uh, at that point, she would have three wins in a row, and you could definitely, at that point, it is 
perfectly understandable and reasonable to match her up against Amanda Nunes. Um, some news and notes about UFC 267, which is going to be in Abu Dhabi. Uh, they've actually announced that there's going to be vaccine mandates uh, and for anyone attending at the Etihad Arena, and there's only going to be 30% capacity. Um, I'm sure the UFC is not thrilled with that, but again, the Abu Dhabi government pay, essentially paid for the, the entirety of Fight Island. I mean, they, they, they footed the bill for that one. So, and with the UFC now having to have an event there per year, I think they're willing to put it up with that and eat the diminished gate to have this relationship, considering Abu Dhabi really did take care of them. You know, we could talk about Abu Dhabi politics and everything else aside. Again, I would encourage everyone to read all of Kareem Zidane's work. Um, he outlines certain issues with that. But nevertheless, it is still newsworthy that the event will be only at 30% capacity, which I think that was the same for UFC. I guess that was 257, the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier 2 fight. Um, UFC 268, which is going to be one week later at, the, at Madison Square Garden. It's getting another gem in the featherweight matchup that's been booked with between Shane Burgos and Billy Quarantillo, which is just a fantastic stand-up fight, and very much looking forward to that. I, this whole card is just fantastic. Uh, we're going to be doing a huge breakdown for that. That is one of those, you know, there's going to be 13 fights, and all 13 are just stacked and very much, you know, just tremendous fights. Uh, another interesting fight that's been booked is a welterweight match between Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady. It's set for the November 20th fight night. Uh, Michael Chiesa, who's fresh off his loss against Vicente Luque. Sean Brady was originally scheduled to fight uh, Kevin Lee last week. Uh, excuse me, two weeks ago. Uh, got injured. Very interesting matchup. I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Chiesa than some may think. Sean Brady is a lot to deal with on the ground. So this may actually end up being a stand-up battle. Um, but Sean Brady is a guy who people really need to start paying attention to. And I think is a guy who, give it a year or so, is going to quickly ascend up the ranks in the welterweight division. Fighting a guy like Michael Chiesa is a great way to start doing that. It's a really interesting fight. Then... The month of December starts uh, looks to be shaping up and getting some great fights. Um, two really interesting fights have been booked for the December 4th fight night. First, uh, Rafael Fizgev is going to be taking on Brad Russell, and this is just straight fireworks. There's no, I mean, this is violence personified. Uh, two guys that are ascending in their careers. Uh, tremendous offense, tremendous athleticism and strength. Really looking forward to that. And a really intriguing light heavyweight matchup between Jimmy Crute and Jamal Hill. So that's going to be a really good fight night. And now it also looks like UFC 269, which is going to be taking place December 11th, is starting to shape up. So we previously knew that Amanda Nunes was going to be taking on Juliana Pena for the women's bantamweight belt that she has. Uh, now it looks like that's going to be the co-main event. Why? Because lightweight champion Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier have verbally agreed, they haven't signed anything yet, uh, to fight one another as the main event of UFC 269. Going to be a fantastic matchup. Obviously, Poirier deserved, he deserved to fight either Oliveira or Chandler in the initial vacant 
lightweight match that was made at UFC 262. Um, he obviously opted for the money fight against McGregor for the trilogy fight, but now he looks to make his career. Well, I don't think it's full circle because he didn't start as a champion, but really just cap off his career and become the undisputed lightweight champion. Very much looking forward to this because you, you can never count out Charles Oliveira, whose stand-up is sneaky good, and he is tremendous on the ground in terms of his submission skills. Also, another intriguing women's flyweight matchup has been booked for UFC 269. Macy Barber is going to be taking on Montana De La Rosa. So UFC 269, it looks like it's going to be shaping up as a fantastic card as well. So again, I know I, you know, a little short today, but as mentioned, there is no fight card for us to preview, so it's a little bit shorter. Next week, we're going to do a state of the UFC as well as previewing UFC fight or UFC Vegas 37 with um, a very intriguing light heavyweight matchup um, and some other really good fights. So, looking forward to that. So, again, you know, we are Section 247 Sports uh, presents in the fight. We thank Sportswire Radio for working with us. Really appreciate Tommy Bryce and all the great things that the radio station has been doing. Uh, they are taking off. And also be on the lookout for Mike and I's other show, The Goal Line Stand, which will be making our premiere or our debut episode uh, this week as we break down the and provide our predictions for the 2021 NFL season. Uh, again, check us out on all social media at ITF Show. And also our website, www.inthefight.net. Get our merch at tkostore.com, T-E-E-K-O-Store.com. Brought to you by Michael's Glass Company, the premier glass company in the Delaware Valley area. 215-338-3293. And always, if you're hungry, you want to have a fancy, sophisticated, and very fulfilling meal, go to DePaul's Table. 7 East Lancaster Avenue, Arbor, PA. Uh, again, hope everyone is doing well for all Americans. Hope you had a happy and healthy Labor Day weekend for all our Jewish friends. Again, Shana Tova, Happy New Year. And for everyone, just stay safe, enjoy, and we will see you next week.